If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Brad, the youth minister. Wait, Jesus, is that really you? I tote stands you. What in my father's name are you even saying? You yeed our sins, man. Dad, can you uh, translate this for me? You're on your own with this one, kiddo. Those atheists are sleeping on you, man. I can assure you that no one is sleeping on me, am I right? No cap. You know, seeing you in person just hits different. I'm, I'm not wearing a hat. I'm so confused. This is straight fire. Spill the tea. What's heaven like? Cat Kerr said you can write volcanoes. Fire? Tea? Screw this. Ow, I'm, I'm, I'm really out. Dad, cancel the second coming. Now I'm big mad. Holy ghost, he's not stopping. Dad, zap him. Ha! Got him. Still got the good aim. Look at him twitch. Look at that. <laughs> I'm, I'm never going back there. Dad, can you uh, make it flood again? <laughs> That's awesome. I'm Dave Fitzgerald. And I'm Dana Fitzgerald. Who is that? We can start again. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm Dave Fitzgerald. And I'm Dana Preston. And we took a left at the valley. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists. You know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. Coming to you from Rainy BC, Alligator, Florida, and Cold Canyon, Texas, this is Left of the Valley 2.0. My name is Kevin, and I was sitting in a recliner watching a movie, naked, eating Doritos, minding my own business, when Walmart freaking called the cops on me. Joining me as usual is the team who points to a block of cheese and, you know, it's actually just a loaf of milk. (laughs) She'd like to buy a bagel with cream cheese, but the cashier only takes cash. Sabrina. That was a good one. He was hoping friends with benefits including medical dental. Brent Lee. (laughs) It doesn't? No, No, sorry. No. And, I mean, it depends on who you're paying it. That's I mean, true. I'm, I'm glad, that's true. I'm glad that I heard this now, and so it'd be kind of an embarrassing conversation. And he I won't yell. <laughs> and he won't yell in the colander because he'll strain his voice. Benjamin. 
that's true. Guys, welcome back. Thanks. So today we'll be talking to... You dragged me here, you know, kicking and screaming. Kicking and screaming, absolutely. So today we'll be talking to, to uh, Candice Gorham, and we'll be talking about her book on death, dying, and disbelief. Yeah. But that's in the second half of the show. But first, let's do our usual chit-chat. And this show is brought to you by our patrons. You too can become a patron and help us in our efforts in the show. Just go to patreon.com slash letv, and you get an unedited, unscripted version of the show. And behind-the-scenes look, fantastic. Yeah. Oh. good behind the scenes today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't there, so that made it. <laughs> we missed you. It was great. It's got to be great. <laughs> uh, guys, for MarketWatch.com, did you guys hear that the uh, red states, talking about COVID here, uh, have been hit the hardest by COVID? Mm-hmm. Surprise, surprise. Ooh, you suck! Um, you know, they've now realized that this is, of course, a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Mm-hmm. Uh, counties where Trump have received the most vote are actually... Uh, there's, they've estimated it's 47 out of 100,000 people that are dying in the states, as opposed to 10 out of 100,000 people in the blue states. So there's a wow. So it's like not 4. just 4. the 7 states, times. though. Isn't it the counties? Like, yes, didn't it's they the look counties. at the individual? So if yes. the county was like super red, then they're 47 oh, yeah. out of 100,000. But if it's like super blue, then it's the other way. It's like 10 out of 100,000. So if crazy. you really want to know where COVID is hanging right now, it's in the red, red, and deeper the red states. Unvaccinated. Or Unvaccinated, that's where it's Can I tell my personal story here? Real quick. Well, it's it is quick. It's it's I think we talked about it a little bit on the show about how we were exposed at the beginning of August to COVID. Mm -hmm. And there was two people that were unvaccinated. Uh the one person actually brought the COVID to the family reunion and the other was his roommate. His roommate showed almost no symptoms uh for the first week. Anti-vax, by the way, very anti-vax. And after the first week, went downhill, ended up in a ICU on a vent, uh, then on ECMO because uh, his organs were all shutting down. And they told everyone, you know, if he makes it through, it's a double lung transplant. Which is where we left the story last time. He died. He died. He's down. He's gone. Oh, no. So uh, it also is because uh, this is somebody um, who's made the news locally. So uh, there's a little bit more information out there. But his wife's Facebook was actually, she was posting while he was in the ICU, uh, fake news fact checked. Um, ivermectin. Post. She actually asked wow. the hospital to give him ivermectin, yes. So, the moral wow. of the story is, nobody that was at that family reunion that was double vaccinated got even sick. And they were all directly exposed to the same people. Yeah. Wow. So, the- I, I want to say one thing real quick. Like, it's crazy, too, that, that the numbers are that way. The numbers are like, you know, 10 out of 100,000 mm-hmm. in uh, blue, blue areas. And the reason that it's so crazy is that blue areas are the highest populated areas. Yes. Know? Right. It's a small yeah. portion of like land or whatever, but way more people, right? And mm-hmm. then all these rural areas where nobody's even that close to each other. They're not all using public transportation all the time and shit like that. So, and that really not, should you know, show something. That's fine. Yeah, because they're not masking, they're not vaccinating. Well, and it just shows none of this happened. Yeah, the the denser the the dense populated areas too, where you're more likely to get it because you're in closer contact. You can't go to the grocery store without brushing shoulders. Even here in a place like Vancouver in BC, Mm -hmm. I mean they've uh, they've estimated now that the local population around Vancouver and the suburbs is ninety percent. 
I mean, 90% vaccinated, double vax at this point. Really? I've not really paid attention. But I just know that we're doing okay. When you're going up north, places like Dawson Creek, like mm-hmm. that, it drops drastically to like 50, 60%. So. Dawson's Creek, where Casey lives? Yeah, yes. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's Dawson. Yeah. <laughs> so, so. This, this, this is what happens when you rather play politics yep. than actually listen to the science. Exactly. I, I hate to say that, but yeah. I frankly don't have a lot of sympathy for these people anymore. I really don't. I'm sorry. Well, see, and they, they talk all this deep state nonsense, but the reality is if there is a deep state, mm-hmm. the deep state would want them to not get vaccinated. And the best way to do that would be how? Misinformation. Yeah. Yep. And here's the other thing I just want to throw out there. It, why in the world would this deep state want to kill off the tax base? Yeah. The high yeah. rich people, they don't pay no taxes. It's all you poor people that are dying in troves. Yeah, exactly. And to, well, uh, and to it, piggyback it, on what like, oh, sorry, sorry. So, Benjamin was saying, there was actually an article that came out in Breitbart uh, very recently. Uh, yeah, a guy go figure. John something. And that's exactly what he pauses yeah. forward, that Howard Stern and are mocking Joe Rogan and all that. And that's somehow a ploy for the Democrats to make sure that Republicans don't, get- don't vaccinate themselves so they can die. Yep. and win the next election kind of thing. It's, it's, this is it's reverse psychology. That's so yes. funny. Yeah. That's exactly what I was about to bring it's up. good move. <laughs> yeah, it is a good move because it's it's yeah. forcing them to think, hey, maybe we should go get vaccinated so we don't die. So either this guy's a complete kook or he's like the best troll ever. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And all we got to do is go tell like people, you know, these, uh, you know, Trumpers and shit to like be healthy and like make responsible choices and they'll be like, no, fuck you. And then they all die and then we win elections. See? It's like, true. Right. Remember when if you're not alive to vote, we're yeah. going to win. It's true. <laughs> it's true. I mean, you remember when Michelle, Michelle Obama was trying to uh, put a program of eat healthy in school for the kids? Yes. And the first thing they were doing is they were passing cookies through the fence to the kids so they can be sure and chips to make sure the kids can eat shit. <laughs> yeah. This is insane. Yeah, instead of fruits and vegetables. Unreal. Yeah. Insane. In yeah. other news, astronomers have discovered probably the largest comet ever seen. Cool. It's been named a C slash 2014 UN271, and it's so large that it's speculated it might actually be a dwarf planet. Wow. Mm. And it's heading this way. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we going to do now? <laughs> uh, of course. <laughs> Uh, it should be arriving in the area in about twenty in the year twenty thirty one. Um, but don't worry, it's not going to be ten years. Okay, it's not going to be that close. It's going to be about eleven astronomical units away from us. Which is an astronomical unit is the distance between Earth and the Sun. That's I know that. AU. So, so it's going to be eleven AU away. So it's not going to be. It's going to be passing maybe around Saturn or something like that. Oh, it's it's okay. not going to wreck Uranus. <laughs> Bang! Right Five points. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, or- the orbit calculated says that apparently it was back here about three point five million years ago. Last time it was around, uh, and it's at least ten times bigger than the Hale Bopp comet. It's estimated that the uh, comet itself, or if it's not a dwarf planet, is about one hundred fifty kilometers across. For American friends, about one hundred miles across. So <laughs> it's a pretty big chunk of rock. Or ice, or whatever it is. We'll know more as it gets closer, obviously. And in uh, fun news, you guys, you know human technology has limits. You know, cryogenics can only go so far. Are you sure? Yep. So Pat Robertson has decomposed beyond being able to host a 700 club, and now he's announced he's going to retire. Yes, I heard this. (laughs) Yeah. Finally, after what, like 800 years or something. 
Well, actually, the 700 Club was actually uh, uh, launched in 1966. So he's been at the helm of this for quite a while. Uh, his son, Gordon, will actually take over. Uh, he's 91 Let's keep now, it in the family. And he says he plans on living another 29 years. Sure, good luck his with that. His son's 91, man, that's... No, I mean, no, that no. <laughs> Pat Robertson like is 91. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although his son might be 91, too. Matt, Pat might actually be 120 years. <laughs> uh, a, few, a few facts about Pat Robertson throughout the years. Um, he made a fortune with blood diamonds out of Africa. That's how he got his money. Um, in 2006, he claimed he could leg press <laughs> 2,000 pounds while he was in his 70s. <laughs> bullshit. You can't handle the truth. That's, that's literally a ton. That's a ton. <laughs> that's a ton. <laughs> the 70 year old Pat Robinson was pressing a ton with his legs. No, no, no. I'm sorry. That's you not hard. I, I have a hard time believing that, but okay. <laughs> some facts. It's like the two dudes on the side that were lifting it for him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was just mechanically moving. Uh, he said, Oh, wait. Oh, I was in the metric. I thought I'm milligrams. Wait, what? You guys didn't. Oh. <laughs> no, milligrams. Two, two thousand milligrams. Oh, um, he, he, he used to say that uh, the gays had a ring and he would scratch people. The gays would scratch people with the ring and they would give him AIDS like that. Uh, he also said oh, the I remember gays, hearing that one. Wild. Oh, yeah. He yeah. used to also say that gays cause tornadoes and earthquakes and all that. Oh, shit. God. Um, he said oh. passing a, in 2018, he said the passing a ban on discrimination on gays would cause an atomic war. That hasn't happened yet. Okay. Uh, no. <laughs> well, that's the thing. The gays got to marry in this country. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, right. He also said the things like uh, BLM was intended to spark a lesbian Marxist revolution. Oh, yes. I've heard <laughs> wow. I, I just love that one. So, so he just kind of got crazy and crazier as he got older. And he also said that Trump would win. Uh, you know what? Well, of course he did. They all said Trump would win. Yeah. <laughs> On behalf of all atheists everywhere, I want to thank you, Pat Robertson, for all the laughter throughout the years. Yes. Yes. Right. Standing right. ovation. <laughs> 10 out of 10 for entertainment. Oh, man. <laughs> Zero for everything else. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> for factual. Like, he, he, it's weird that he like turns all the people he doesn't like into fucking superheroes you got like storm from x-men apparently if you're gay you can just like wreck the <laughs> all these storms and stuff then you also got gene's powers you can set off all the nuclear bombs if you wanted to yeah and then <laughs> also can start revolutions apparently it's crazy yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, the only thing missing are claws you know yeah, like Wolverine. yeah. <laughs> Wow. You're like, but it's great. Just wait, he's just, just sitting there. He's like, what are people scared of? Okay. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, now, uh, one last little thing on a personal note. Okay. Uh, yesterday was October 2nd. Yes. October 2nd, for maybe our diehard listeners, you might remember, was the birthday of our dear past uh, co-host, Nancy. Nancy Weiss Gallagher. And I thought maybe you guys would be so kind to indulge me in a moment. I pulled out a clip of Nancy because she was unique to say the least. <laughs> um, and I thought I'd play this clip. It's one of my favorite moments that we ever, ever had on the show. Uh, would you guys mind if I played a four minute clip of acoustic kitty? 
Yes, oh, but only yes. because it's four minutes. If it was five, I'd have to say no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember right. this, though. I remember listening and, like, dying. So, yes. I this, this I'm going to remove the chit-chat. <laughs> this, this, is, this is a clip that uh, Nancy used to do, a segment called This Day in History. And uh, later on, she did the top ten, uh, which Sabrina took over the, as uh, doing the top ten. But this is a point where she tells a story of a super-secret agent in a cat. So, let me play that clip. I've heard this clip. It's hilarious. At the height of the Cold War, officials in the United States hatched a covert plan to keep tabs on the Russians in Washington, D.C. They would, they decided, deploy surveillance cats. I, I kid you not. Cats surgically implanted. Surveillance cats surgically implanted with microphones and radio transmitters to slip by security and eavesdrop on activity at the Soviet embassy. Now this is true. Wow. This is this is absolute. This is not fake news. Here's your mission, double O pussy. Just accept it. (laughs) They couldn't make a movie this good. That's right. You got the transcripts. (laughs) That's right. We know it's true. Kevin has a transcript. <laughs> anyway, the project went by the thinly disguised code name Acoustic Kitty. <laughs> and this is so much fun. Anyway, they operated on this poor cat, put batteries in him, and wired him up. And this was according to a guy that wrote a book. His name was Victor Marchetti. And he was the executive assistant to the director of the CIA in the 1960s. So a, a book came out of this actually in 2001 called The Wizards of Langley. So it's in the book and it's, it's in Google. No problem to find it. Anyway, here he, this poor little kitty is with the batteries and everything else. And the final little thing that they did to, to really make this embarrassing to the cat was his tail was used as an antenna. <laughs> iniquity to this poor cat. So um, in in this book, Wizards of Langley, he characterized it by saying they made a monstrosity. (laughs) Anyway, so now they've got this whiskered, yowling, unbelievably expensive monstrosity. They put the CIA put $10 million into designing, operating on, and training the first acoustic kitty. And that's according to several accounts. You know, it only cost $6 million for Lee Majors. Yeah, I was just thinking that in 1970, what was it, 1976 or whatever. Yeah. $6 million man. I know, and here is the bionic cat, you know, costing more money. Anyway, so they, they get this poor kitty all stitched up and wired up and his tail is up in the air and it finally came time for the inaugural mission and the CIA agents released one of the agents who was a rookie agent from the back of a nondescript van and watched as he set out on his mission so Acoustic Kitty dashed off toward the embassy making it all of 10 feet before he was unceremoniously struck by a passing taxi No, you lie. You are lying. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? There they were, these agents sitting in the van, and the cat was $10 million roadkill in the middle. Unbelievable. 
so the CIA eventually scrapped the project, including, according to partially redacted documents um, in, uh, in George Washington University archives, that despite the energy and imagination of those involved, they decided it would not be practical to continue to try and train cats. <laughs> That is the best story. I, I have to say that was yeah. That I, was I, can, I mean, every time every time I hear the story, I picture the van with those agents <laughs> oh sitting in us with their jaws. Just how do we explain? Oh, you know, we got splaining to do it. Our jobs are obviously <laughs> on the line. I'm just yeah. trying to picture the one agent looking at the other one, going, "Lucy." <laughs> you have splaining to do it. <laughs> oh, it's a, just, I mean, it's just. It's a fantastic story. It's a fantastic story. Absolutely. And, you know, stranger than fiction. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, just so good. So good. <laughs> Hello. Oh, poor Double O Pussy. No. Uh, that was that was such a great, great moment in the show, and it's probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite, clip of all time. <laughs> the original. Oh, great. So now I have to hold up to this. Standard. Yes, sir. That's this is what it's you have like, to. It's, yeah. you know, the shoe no, you have it's to fill actually in me. <laughs> he like, has unceremoniously said. Oh. oh God, I'm so crying. <laughs> it's one of those moments where you wonder if Matt Groening was writing reality for just like a minute, you know, just right. a little bit. There. This is what they mean when they say truth is stranger than fiction. Who would have thought such a unbelievable story? And you, you, you get a picture of that cat with 1960s, 50s, 60s technology, mm-hmm. you know, battery packs, and they're not like tiny little things that we have today. <laughs> the antenna and the tail. It's like, oh my God. This poor like, you think thing. going to slip by? <laughs> yeah. say, like, what the fuck's wrong with that cat, y'all? y'all right? Guys, come and look at this shit. <laughs> Why is that kind of a weird square lump on its side? What? Yeah, it's exactly. Straight up. No, but no cats have their tail like that. That is... Oh my sense. god, it's it's just an amazing and the fact that it's a true story on top of that is just amazing. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, October 2nd was her birthday. I think she would have been 84. Uh, she was a pearl of a person, and I actually do miss her. Wherever you are, Nancy, my God, thank you so much for the memories and the laughter. So, excellent. Moving <laughs> on. <laughs> All right. Let's see. You got a top 10 for us? Ooh. What? Do you? Me? Yeah, you. No, that's not the right one. Hold on. No. Hold on, that's not right. You're gonna have to do it all over again. No, so I can't just, do it. The music's going now. Yeah, no, you're gonna have to restart. I'll wait. Oh, what? Uh, I'm not ready. I'll sit here quietly until Kevin yeah, does what he's supposed to do. Yeah, hold on. Yep. And I'm just gonna do right. this. Take two. And then I'm gonna do this. And okay, now you can say it. Here we go. <laughs> do you have a top ten for us this time? Yes, I do. I know. Oh, she does. Okay. <laughs> so she was going to say no first. I know. Me too. Never Just for no, fun, no, maybe. No, never will. Ever again, Kevin. Okay? I'm tired of your shit. <laughs> I'll, I'll never fill Nancy's shoes, but I do my best anyways. No, you don't have to fill her shoes. You, you have your own shoes to fill. Well, I know. And they're really big shoes, so. Not that big. <laughs> <laughs> Says you, they the grew a size. I do. I, I fully admit it. I'm short with big feet. I'm like a clown. Anyway. No, she doesn't. She's got normal size feet. Jeez, don't listen to her. Did you know that it's October? Did you notice? Yes, I did. Do you know what no. else is October? It's fall, y'all. It's Halloween. Yoo-hoo! Mm. 
Yay. Halloween soon. So, Favorite time I, of year. I don't have to take my kid trick-or-treating anymore because she's going to be taking her nephew this year. So, yeah, she's an adult and I don't have to do it. But I remember when she was a kid and I remember being a kid and I thought, you know, what's the top 10 worst Halloween candies that you can receive. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> I hope everyone here was allowed to go trick-or-treating. I don't oh, know. I mean, last year, I last year didn't really happen because of COVID. No, no, I know for COVID, but I mean, like, as kids, did you all go trick-or-treating? Oh, yeah. I wasn't really allowed for a long time, and then finally, once I got to be, like, 13, 14, I was finally allowed to go. Yeah, see, I always, of course, went, because I wasn't really in a... This, this is hard for a 13-year-old to finally be able to go, because you yeah. want to go out there and be like the other kids, but at the same time, you're too cool for this shit. This is kid stuff, right? Oh, it's candy. Right, yeah. Ooh, it's it free candy, though. By the time I was able to... Yeah. But, you know... I don't care. Whoever knocks on my door at Halloween, if I have candy, I'm giving them candy. I don't care if they're 73. Me too. I don't care if they're wearing a costume. I don't care. If you want some of my candy, have some of my candy. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to say words. You don't have to say trick or treat. Nope. Just stand there with the bag. I'll put the candy in. We're good. Yeah, me too. I always end up forgetting and then end up having to give like thumbs out, you know. (laughs) Oh, you're one of them. No, these are smarties. No, don't don't look at those words there. No, you can't. No, you can't have my Bud Light. Just eat the Tums, okay? I tried that. I tried, I tried to pull that on the police officer at the door. It didn't work. Oh gosh. Anyways, I will start my top ten now if you all let oh, me. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. Oh, right. Tell me, that's the point of the segment. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Number Fine, ten go. are Tootsie Rolls. Tootsie Rolls like the what? worst. They, yeah, they, no, they they're, they're, they're up there because yeah, you know, they're they're the worst. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, like you know, a fresh not, Tootsie but, Roll is okay. You know, it's soft, it's chewy, but like really, okay. the ones you're getting in your Halloween bag are those soft not and chewy? The chocolate ones, the flavored ones with like the orange and the lemon. Yeah, yeah flavored Tootsie good. Rolls. I don't think they have yeah, those in Canada. So We're good. not weird like that. Oh, How do we have chewy chocolate? When did that become a thing? That's never been something I thought people would want. It's a caramel center. It's a caramel center. The ones center. that come in the weird bars, you know what I'm talking about? No. Yes, oh, some right, the no. bar shape. The big ones? Yeah. No. Like the ones that are like in segmented the little... into threes? Yes. Yeah. But it's like massive. a bar. It's like this big. One yeah, of these days, one of these days, we should do a show where I should buy a couple of Canadian candy and send them to the states and they can send us some well, I used to candy. actually do that and I was I was in a Facebook group that did swaps like that so yeah, we would all do sign a taste up test on the show and we would do uh, so uh, we did a candy yeah. swap once we did a, a magnet swap but the candy swap was fun because you got candies from all over the world not just the US because there's anyway we could totally so that. this is the United States of fucking America and they're coming out with alcoholic Mountain Dew oh my god oh, of course they are <laughs> all right so let's go on here number nine are rockets which you know you americans you yeah, don't know don't what know. those are but i can tell you what you call them which is smarties yeah, like, what the smarties. hell yeah we smarties. have real okay. smarties you don't have smarties yeah, anyways because you are what you eat yeah <laughs> so you know <laughs> you know when you Shock. go to those house and they're giving out that crap you're like yeah that's the cheap house <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah. number eight number eight is candy corn. Oh yeah. Yeah, I said it, okay. You know, I think I think I think I've had that candy corn once in my life. Oh, it's so gross. And I, I never touched it again. <laughs> it's horrible. It's, for Have me, you seen the picture of the internet of the candy corn pizza somebody made? Yes, I did. My <laughs> yeah. friend posted I was like, ooh, and she's like, Yeah, and I try it. I'm like, ooh, I don't know if we can be friends anymore. <laughs> That's blasphemy. Now, now you're now the people that are mad about pineapples, they're not mad anymore. Yeah, no yeah. shit, right? How could you candy corn like common enemy enemy. 
Yeah. It's like one of those things where candy corn, like, it's it, even as a kid, you know, when you just don't give a shit, like, sugar is sugar, right? But, like, even with those, like, with that being true, like, you could have, like, two or three of those things. You're like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good now. <laughs> like, the first one was okay. The second one was less okay. And the third one was gross. And now I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, yeah, well, back it's in the 80s, we had those, like, wax fake lips. Yes, so, that uh, actually almost made the list. Oh, yeah, you'd so chew them and then the juice would like come out. Seconds. Mm-hmm. And then you had to spit the wax out, of course, because it was just fake gum. It was just right. wax. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was wax. terrible. It's like the bottle things. That, you know, where you can eat the bottle. It's the same thing as the yeah. lips, but it's like a little fucking weird. Yeah, yeah, the bottle. I remember that, too. <laughs> so number, number seven are pixie sticks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, remember? What? It's oh, a like, super so cheap now, and gross. Now we're getting off the rails here. <laughs> That's just <laughs> pure sugar that crap. That pixie stick is on point. <laughs> wasn't, that, wasn't that like cocaine in a straw? Pretty much. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I'd eat like 30 of those things and run a marathon. It's marathon, just like yeah. pure sugar. <laughs> Oh, anyway, yeah, they, and they have they have really big ones too. They're like, of course oh, they do. You get them at the plastic, and I bet dude. you they're only in the United States where everyone's going to die of diabetes. It's, it's, <laughs> you mean you mean you mean in the United States where a small soda is thirty two ounces? Yeah. I know it's unfucking real. <laughs> as, as a Canadian, that's the first thing you think of the United States. They can supersize anything. Yeah, when the, the Wendy's in in Canada for a long time, their super biggest drink was thirty two ounces, and now it's like two liters or something. It's oh, crazy. Oh, that's what, yeah. That big it's white like that cup that they have. Anyway. This is the child size. The child yeah. size. And they're like, well, how is that a child size? Well, if a child was liquefied, it'd actually be about the <laughs> <Yeah>. size. <laughs> that sounds about right. a child in that size. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So number six is double bubble gum. Double bubble? Yeah. yeah how is that gum? Like, that was you chew on it, gum. it breaks yeah. your tooth, you know. Oh, that was mm-hmm. great gum. What are you talking about? No, you chew like <laughs> twice and then it's like my, gross. My jaw would be like, what the <laughs> fuck yes. is this thing? Yeah, man? it hurts so bad. Oh, come on. It was way better than your jaw's like Joe. clicking in the first three bites. You're like, yeah, yeah. And then the fourth bite, there's like no flavors. It's like your jaw's just like, I don't think this is food. Guys. Guys, you guys didn't have the same experience I had with that one. Clearly, Uh, number five would be sweet tarts. Oh yeah, okay. Do you remember sweet tarts? Okay, like they're sweet. Those are very tart. And then they're sour, and you're popping them because they look like pills, right? (laughs) 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 You can't have that. I think the candy industry and the drug industry go hand in hand. I kind of think they do. You train them as kids so we can have customers later on. So, number four. (laughs) Just like number three, Clonopin. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Number four is, uh, I don't know if we have it up here, but I've kind of seen, I think I've seen it. Good and Plenty. What the hell is that? Oh, yeah, gross. The pink and white candy. Okay, so the pink's okay, I guess, right? But then you bite into the white one, you think it's going to be like mint flavored or whatever, and it's like. No, it's black fucking licorice. Oh, oh no! I oh, why disguise that oh, shit as a fucking mint, man? The, the like make it black or shit brown or something. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Like, what kid wants black, black licorice? Like my heart. Yeah, oh, like really, yes. what kid wants black licorice? Come on. Yes, that is horrible, kid. Right? Yes, I know. You I know, know what I'm talking? And then the pink that. is like cherry flavor or some shit. I don't know. I don't I think I've ever had it because I'm. But it was so long ago because it was gross. Right? Yeah. 
But you know the funny thing is, these candies are still around, so people are buying these. Well, of course they are for Halloween to like piss off kids. There's no way you're keeping a candy just for Halloween. There's got to be much more than that year round. Well, I'm sure there's old people that like black licorice. (laughs) So number (laughs) number three, I mean, we're getting really gross here, is those crappy taffy, you know, that are wrapped in wax paper. They're like orange and black. Oh yes. Oh, you know, no one, oh you, my god. You know the ones no, like it's a random one that's like peanut butter and yes, like, but it's not. Though. But it's not peanut. <laughs> and like no one wants to admit they make it, so the only place you can buy it is like the bulk bin at the grocery store with the scoops. Yep. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like they're yeah they're just and they're just they look like completely uh, like unlabeled. Um, yeah. Just orange mm-hmm. and black. And, and yeah. That's it. And yeah. You don't, don't know, know what they are. Nothing. I, I just I, like I, if in a movie where it just says candy on. It, you know I, I still maintain that candy is actually just excess plaster that they put some coloring into it and just <laughs> wrap it. Some of it probably like, it's, is. It's, it comes from oh. a construction site. It has to. Yeah, so don't give those to kids because, you know, they might come back with some eggs and toilet paper later on. <laughs> right. Oh, just throw those things. Just lick them a bunch. Yeah. Just throw them so they stick like, all over your fucking ass. Melt them with a lighter. <laughs> Number two, I've never heard of these, but it made more than one gross candy list, so they must be gross. Are Necco wafers. Oh, how do you spell oh, yeah. that? They're, they're N-E-C-C-O. Like they're like yeah. rockets, but worse, is how I... Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. From what I hear, like they were apparently made in like 1847, and they've been trying to sell that stock ever since. So it just gets oh. worse and worse every year. I don't think I've ever noticed that. I'm, I'm exaggerating. Come on now. I, that, that part's but a that joke. That sounds accurate. I, just, <laughs> I think it is. That sounds like... Because bottle caps are fucking old, too. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't, like, I, I don't think they have those candy. in Canada. And I actually heard the Necco Wafer um, factory has actually closed after like 170 years. Thank God. Well, they said Necco Wafers are the uh, namesake formerly made by one of the now defunct New England Confectionery Company. Yeah. It's Necco. Which yeah. operating near Boston. So anyway, there you go. And number one, number one, what's the number one thing no kid wants to get in their Halloween bag? Circus uh, toothbrush. Wait, yeah, exactly. Anything that is not candy. <laughs> like, seriously, don't give out your stupid religious tracks. Those kids, oh, they don't yeah. give a shit. They're just going to, like, fucking use them and burn no. them on. You know, they okay. want chocolate, okay? <laughs> Apples? All over okay, so there was one year when I was taking my kid trick-or-treating, and this lady had, like, totes and totes and totes of children's books. Yeah, like, and who she the was fuck like, wants pick those? a book. No, and they were all so excited. All the kids were like digging through the books, trying to find one to pick. They were so happy. Really? Yeah, she had gotten all these books and she was handing out one book to each kid. It was fantastic. Okay, were they good books or were they religious books? No, they were just good, fun kids books. Okay, that's acceptable. I will allow that. And she had all kinds of age groups of books. There was like little tiny kid books. Okay. Everything. It was acceptable. She went all out. That's acceptable. She did. And and the kids were excited. There was groups of kids running through, digging through, like trying to, like elbowing each other to get (laughs) certain books. It was fantastic. The Bernstein Bears are mine. They're mine. Yeah. The Bernstein Bears. Yeah. So okay, I I will allow that as one acceptable non candy thing yeah, to give up on Halloween. But if you give me a goddamn apple, yeah, it's fucking expected to hit your window later on. <laughs> as long as it's not an iPhone. If it's an iPhone, if it's an Apple iPhone, oh, that, that's also go. acceptable. That's yes, that's, that's, that's what I'm going to do when I have a billion dollars. I'm Just an apple. stack of iPhone 13s. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome, actually. Like, Here's yours. Here's yours. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One for you and one for you. Everyone gets one be under like, your chair. Be like, oh, you're the 57th person to knock on my door. I'm giving you a yacht. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I love it. I would totally be a philanthropist like that. <laughs> All right, Benjamin. Time for a good moment that we like to call. Things that make you go. Things that make you go. What do you got for us, buddy? What do I got for this? This one's all your fault, Kevin. Yeah, it is. But I love it. Why is it my yeah, fault? I'm, what have I done? I'm it's not your fault. You found this one. It's a great one. This is yours. Yeah. Okay, sure. Oh, well, thank you, boy. It's like, I don't remember doing nothing. Researchers were, you know, watching wild chimps as they do. They're researchers, right? They're watching to see what happens, how they act. And we all know that they masturbate, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. a thing. What? And they like, love nobody, it. Nobody... Nobody's surprised that, like, chimps masturbate. No. Would you be? I mean, it's fun. No, I mean, you know, I'd you be... just go after it, right? But I, I mean, if you only I mean, it's just started... right there. I mean, if you only attract a female in young areas, Gene Goodall. Yeah, you can understand why you're masturbating. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, we know that chimps like to make tools, so they made sex tools, mm-hmm. essentially. Cool. They've, they've made sex toys. <laughs> go, chimps, go. Documented in the wow. wild. They're witnessing for the first time a wild male, mage, uh, 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 excuse me, words, a wild male champi, chip, chimpanzee. I can use words. I really can. I promise. It's okay. Using a human-made object as a masturbatory tool. <laughs> it comes from Uganda. Uh, came out in about August 2018. <laughs> He's inserting his penis into a discarded plastic bottle. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Of course, it's a male chimp using C, and I'm yeah, always we, here. I am picturing I a girl chimp anyway. with a dildo, but you know, maybe maybe it's one really of just them's, a cucumber, but you know, maybe one of them's doing that too, but they just haven't found her yet. You know, she's more discreet than the male, I guess. <laughs> so the, the team report that the male chimp had a play face in quotes, a relaxed, open mouth expression they make when they are having fun. Oh, nice. <laughs> and if you too want to have your own chimpanzee dildo toy, sex toy, go to adamandeve.com. <laughs> we don't have that link. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah, we're going to have Coco whittle you a fleshlight. That's how we're going to whittle it. Yeah. Just in case you were wor- if, you, if you were concerned, this is a very comprehensive article, and the team couldn't determine if the chimp ejaculated into the bottle or not. Because <laughs> the chimp's like, no, nah, this is my bottle now. I like that kind of level of research when it comes to chimps and masturbation. <laughs> right, they, just, they, they weren't going that far. They were like, oh okay, he's God. having fun. But, like, do you think they just had a fight? They're like, okay, you, Tom, you go check to see if you jerked off and just came in the box. <laughs> He's like, no, fuck you, Frank. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Give it to the new and guy. He's like, fought for, like, three hours. And yeah, yeah. This is important research, <laughs> goddammit. Okay? Like, I do not want to look the for chip cum. Okay? I have a standards. Standards. <laughs> I, I, sh- I should have switched the music to 1970s porn music. No. Well, you know, I mean, gosh. it really does show that, you know, uh, as a species, we're really not that far from chimps. I mean, we are horny apes, too, let's face it. So, I mean, right. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot I've of animal species that have sex. into a bottle, though. Apparently, it's a very common thing. You I've never done it either, but you know. How, like the whole. Apparently, you hate fun. That's I'm thinking of different <laughs> bottles, clearly, because the openings of the bottles that I've seen aren't very. Like, exactly. Really, how are you fitting it in there? <laughs> exactly. I, I well, mean, if you are. Like an Arizona tea or something. I mean, come on now. I mean, it's not like. <laughs> it's got to be at least, right? <laughs> but, but after reading this Gatorade, article, I'm no longer Gatorade. calling it an O face. It's now a play face. <laughs> Absolutely. It's my play face. <laughs> That's five points. Absolutely. <laughs> Excellent. Thank mm. you. 
And on these uh, thoughts of masturbation with chimps, let's move on to another brilliant moment. Bradley, you're on, buddy. Brought to you by religion. That's right. Oh, fun times. And, uh, yeah, this one was kind of tough. I was I was having a hard time because, you know, I, we do a lot of these, you know, and so... I, you know, I was at first. I was like, let me try to do something different. But man, no. this was just so no. This is oh, endless was source, unbelievably ridiculous. And of course, it's cat cur. <laughs> of uh, course, it's cat cur. Yay, swishy ladies back. Yeah, <laughs> is her hair still pink? Of course, it's still pink. <laughs> and so apparently, you know how she knows everything that goes on in heaven. Well, mm-hmm. well what's kind of surprising to me is the fact that she also apparently has like a, a telescope or something from heaven to see into hell as well. I don't, I don't really Ooh, know how that works. Wow, why she would want to visit there? Holy um, she crap. wants to look. She wants to check in on people. Oh wow, <laughs> she's, got, she's got a timeshare in the nicest spot. But, Interesting. You know, it's, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, telescope so hell. <laughs> <laughs> we got a little clip here, and I don't want to ruin it too much, but it's a. Uh, it's all, all right. over the place anyway. I couldn't really ruin summarize it. it. Ruin everything. Specific, specific it's Kat Kerr. It's going <laughs> to ruin everybody. It's Kat Kerr, yeah. Let's, let's, <laughs> yeah. let's play let's, that clip. see if all I can right, get it ready? up here for you. Oh, wait, it's not listening share. to me. It's not listening yeah. to you? No. Hold on. I can't talk. You can't share. It's just... Oh, wait. Here we go. There, oh, we, there go. we go. Yay. All right. Here we go. This is from Right Ring Watch. Yeah. You didn't choose to sitting there right now. And that, uh, the villain, which God still calls him. And if anybody wonders, will Trump still get his four years? The answer is yes, he will. He will have In another four-year term, as God promised. Uh, <laughs> not the person who's now fraudulently sitting there, passing all kinds of illegal laws, regulations, wicked and evil things. That Trump started. And I think I have to say this. I know because Hold I've been talking... What it's, I, I love that they're just like the regulations are all evil and everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, the safety God. measures to save lives. <laughs> you know? but, yeah, but like Ben said, the abortion laws that just passed as well, right? So all these regulations are evil. They're, these are the laws these people are passing. Yeah. And the president doesn't pass anything fiat like a king. You know, he, he has to go to Congress no. and they have to sign off on it. So you can't just blame one person for whatever laws no. are prescribed to the nation. Yeah, Joe Biden yeah. isn't like, OK, so we're going to pass this law. I'm going to write this one out. Pass it. No props. So, yeah, uh, I, I stamped it with my approval. I wrote it up. Stamped. Boom. Done. Yeah. So failure of understanding our political system. She's, I mean, he can do executive orders, but they get reversed so easily that it's not really uh, don't bother significant. You know what I mean? But you mean like when he required vaccines for like government that's what, employees? Well, that's what I think she's talking about. She's talking. She's clearly talking about the uh, uh, vaccine and mask mandates and passport. Yeah, you know, the vaccine passports and all that type of shit. Yeah, because right? six hundred uh, six hundred thousand people dead is not enough apparently yeah exactly right yeah we've got to keep this yeah, going we're gonna so. keep it we're going gonna start Let, caring at about a million and a half let's <laughs> listen to the rest of this yeah here we go talking to some people i'm talking to some secular people asking what they think and they are saying i think he's wicked no <laughs> these wow. are not even believers okay that's how much they understand what's wrong in the head of this person what is what? on her finger? Who are people are you talking to, man? I'm sock really fucking curious. Yeah, no kidding. 
She's got a pink puffball on her face. Yeah, though. it must be a oh, ring. Yeah. We gotta, we gotta push this. Along. Her jewelry choices. Fire, are fire, fire through. The head of that administration is we'll sitting there right now. All they want is destruction. Okay. Yeah, no shit. Because that's really what communism, socialism, it's also what Satanism is. And I have to. Oh. <laughs> she's really over all of this. If you haven't figured that okay. out, kill, steal, destroy. That's his agenda, and that's exactly what they're doing. That's his and agenda. No okay. one in those offices sitting right now have one good thing to give us. <laughs> They've not created one good thing for anybody. Everything I don't think she knows what she's talking about. Or else demanding from us are things that hurt, steal, take away, uh, rob from us, especially joy. If you haven't like, noticed, like, like hello, uh, banning Dr. Seuss is kind of. Almost oh, what are you Dr. Seuss? That's all. That, that Dr. Seuss did. One of those laws that Biden. That. <laughs> that shows you where they're the headed. They Joe Biden ran on. They don't want you to laugh. They don't want us to come together. You better not laugh. Oh, Jack Kerry, you made us laugh. You know why? We're dangerous when we do that. We're dangerous. We're filled with God. We love each other. We care about each other. Satan <laughs> hates everybody. And only each other. He even hates the ones who are doing this mock takeover. Oh, and mock I can tell takeover. them, I'm speaking to you right now, the evil wicked oh, ones are doing us. all that. You won't get a okay. high place in hell. Okay. Oh. You'll be put on a meat hook right next to Hitler. Most of Satan are tormented and tortured more than anyone else in hell. He will mock Uh, you in hell like you're mocking us right now. Uh, Change sides while you can because we die in that position. Or if you decide to take your life because of the embarrassment you're facing, I'm going to encourage you not to do that. What is Okay, pause it, pause it. Uh, well, well, I think we no, can just. No, nobody's something is going on. Okay, no, she's just. I gotta. Go, I gotta stop her. Like I can't listen to oh. her anymore. I think that we just need to let this go. I, I, lo- I love well, the idea. I just needed to get to the meat hook. The, the, yeah. I just love the idea that you're gonna go to hell and there's a meat hook with your name on it. Right? Like a wreck. We're just going to well, pull that video away now. I'm done. And it's, <laughs> well, what's weird is the sick pleasure that they get out of this. Like, yeah. it's so weird. It's like You're going to end up in hell, jerk. Yeah. And we're going to laugh at you. We're going to talk about it. Like, and I'm going to... T- I don't want to be in heaven with them. Well, you know, <laughs> that's what they love about their whole story is that right? the people that deserve it are going to get it. And we're so mean. We're so mean because we've laughed at her. <laughs> Bye. You know, I, 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 hate, I, hate, to, I hate to ring it don't to you, cat. ridiculous if you don't want laughter. You know? I hate to ring it to you, cat. But according to your own book, Hitler is not in hell. He's in heaven because he accepted Jesus before he died. Yep. So... Right. Mm-hmm. so. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, so, exactly. According to your own faith and your own book. Christianity, but Christianity. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So <laughs> thank you so much for this, Bradley. That was funny as per usual. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll have Candace Gorham with us. And we'll be talking about her book on death, dying, and disbelief. So stay with us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Amy with a Y. And I'm Amy with an I. And we're the hosts of Secular Soup, where each week we offer up a bowl of real talk about atheism, feminism, politics, parenting, and whatever else we want to talk about because it's our podcast. Just listen to what these random dudes are saying about our show. Secular Soup. Yeah, yeah. I I think you mean talk soup, though. It was uh, like a 90s show on E! that would put a whole bunch of Jerry Springer stuff on. That's the one I think you mean. I've never heard of either of these Amy characters with which you refer. Hmm. Amy and Amy. Never heard of such a name. 
My goodness, for Fox Creek, what is that, like Bill and Ted's Adventures or something? <laughs> Amy and Amy from Secular Soup. No, no, I've never heard of that. Wait, wait, no, that's that porno, Succulent Soup. No, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, with the twins. Yeah. I don't know why parents would name their both their twins Amy. That seems like that could get kind of confusing. But uh, not for the porno. For the porno, it was fine. It didn't even, didn't even matter. So if you like extremely foul mouth ladies with opinions, this is the podcast for you. Grab a bowl and taste the magic. Slurp even this. Hi, I'm Neil, the 604 Atheist, and I do a little podcast where I talk to people about their deconversion stories. And I often hear that while they're still in that belief system that they came from, that uh, they're told that people like atheists or any members of the LGBTQ plus community are evil or bad. And then when they find their way free and actually meet some of these people and get to know them a little bit, uh, that attitude changes quickly, and they can also, or they also tell me that they can never believe that they thought that way to begin with. But that's what indoctrination does, doesn't it? Listening to Left of the Valley 2.0. Alright, our next guest is Candace Gorman. She's the author of a book on death, dying, and disbeliefs. She's a snappy dresser and a snazzy dancer. Candace, thank you so much for joining us on the show. All right, thank you for having me. Ooh, large applause, large applause. We spare Yay. no expense. <laughs> Oh, uh, Candace, we'll be talking about your book for sure here. But before that, how about you give us a quick bio as to who Candace Gorham is? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so if I'm giving sort of like the religious background story, um, I was raised Jehovah's Witness until I was like maybe 19 years old when my parents split up. And um, but even at that young age, like I was super serious about my religious beliefs. And so like as a nine, 10 year old, I was choosing to continue to study with Jehovah's Witnesses, even though like my mama didn't make us go and like nobody else in our family went. Um, and then I got to middle school and I started going to like the family church, which was the United Methodist Church. And I got confirmed in the United Methodist Church and, you know, baptized and sang in the choir and did all that, you know, the youth choir. Um, then I got to high school, got a little boyfriend, you know, wasn't really trying to hear all that anymore. So I kind of, you know, fell out of church for a little bit. And then when things really started going crazy was my sister married a minister when I was my senior year of high school. And he was of the more extreme variety. Technically, he, he was non-denominational, but he was like, you know, the sort of stuff you think about, like Pentecostal holiness, evangelical, you know, casting out demons and fasting and praying in tongues and prophesying and all of that. And um, I was ordained in that in that church. Um, 
under him as a prophetess and an evangelist. And so I'll just put it out there now. I still prophesy for a small fee. I got you. Whatever you need to happen, I'll make happen. I'll give you a little prophecy, small fee. I can even, I'll cast out a demon too. I'll cast out a demon too if we need to do that too. Just let me know what, that cost a little bit extra, but it's not easy to do. I thought I had a demon. It was just lucrative. (laughs) So I did that for a couple of years with that church and, um, I what where I was able to sort of begin to you know um, deconvert my deconversion process um, was actually I moved to Bermuda to teach in Bermuda for a couple of years and that really got me away from everybody and all the influences and all the things that were going on in my life you know like religious influences and stuff and I was going through a lot of things at that time and I was feeling like um, you know. I think I'm doing everything according to the Bible, right? I'm fasting, I'm praying, I'm doing, paying my tithes, 10% off gross, everything, you know, like for real, for real. But stuff was going wrong in my life. There was a bunch of mess. And um, so I'm thinking I must be doing something wrong, right? I'm trying all my hardest here. And if my life is a mess, then something's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And so it's always been really important for me to sort of make sure that when I tell my deconversion story that I want it to be clear that I did not deconvert out of no kind of like emotional trauma or angry at God or anything like that. But I felt like I must be doing something wrong. Let me study some more. Let me do some more research. Let me sort of open my thoughts up to things that I had never considered before because I'm obviously doing something wrong. Well, as you might imagine, I pretty much studied myself right on out of religion doing that, you know, started looking at stuff a little bit too closely, you know, comparing other religions and that sort of thing. And and like I said, by being in Bermuda, it was it was easy. It was an easy process for me um, because I didn't have all the family around me, like trying to convince me to go to church and stuff like that. I mean, it wasn't an easy process. It was traumatic. Like I used to have nightmares that I was going to hell and um, you know, I would just, it was really scary for, you know, the first couple of years of me coming out of religion. Um, but, you know, here I am today, like, fuck religion. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate to bring it to you, Candace, but uh, hell is actually just one long recording of Left of the Valley. That's what it is. You're, you're in it right now. So if you can tolerate this, you'll, you'll be all right. <laughs> I, I, I gotta ask, I gotta ask, uh, you know, coming... Uh, from a uh, from a black family, they're very very tight on religion. So, for you to deconvert, I mean, was there a lot of backlash from the rest of your family? Um, well, like I said, in the beginning, I was not around my family, so I was able to do all of that questioning and reconsidering and stuff outside of their influence. And so, by the time I moved back to the United States, I was pretty settled in my convictions but the problem was that I was not out to my family and so actually my first book the Ebony Exodus Project is pretty much how I came out to my family <laughs> like was like there's a book there where I talk all about my religious experiences and you know but I didn't really you know like go sit my mama down and go sit my daddy down and say, hey, I'm an atheist now, you know. It was just more like something that kind of evolved. And like I said, uh, when, my, when my first book came out, 
you know, plenty of family found out about it through that or like, you know, me posting on Facebook talking about the book and stuff like that. Um, so I've lost some friends. I did lose a couple friends. I've had quite a bit of issues with some family members. Um, you know, I kind of get looks and stares at the family reunion, you know, people maybe give me the little cold shoulder. Um, so I guess that it's definitely had some ripple effects in my family. Um, but my, with my immediate family, mama, daddy, brother, sister, you know, in-laws, nieces and nephews, like my immediate core people and my best friend who's been my best friend for over 30 years, you know, my, uh, my core people are like, whatever you know they they either don't talk about it at all or they're like it's cool it's whatever you know so it's worked out pretty well in that way i've always said that you know when you're a child family means blood but as you grow older and older family are the people that have your back (laughs) and that's definitely a a relation so good for you and of course you have new friends new friends (laughs) Uh, real quick, uh, I want to ask. Um, oh, yeah, good word, bro. Do you think that it was that that was a better way that that was a better tactic than like, uh, like you know, the, just letting it happen naturally, like instead of like actually having that conversation with each uh, family member or each people that you're you know in, within your family that you're close with? Do you think that was like a better way to do it? Just like kind of let it come up when it comes up, sort of thing. Um, I don't like confrontation, so it was good for me. <laughs> Uh, you know, okay. I didn't have to get into any arguments or anything. Um, I, you know, like I said, I, I would, I understand that to a certain extent, I'm probably lucky that, you know, my family was just sort of like, you know, moderately spiritual, religious as it is. Um, probably the most religious person in my family is my mama. And when she found out, she broke down crying and was all pitiful and stuff like that. Um, so she she had the hardest reaction. But like I said, um, like, you know, everybody else is just, you know, they they just sort of like put two and two together by things that I posted on Facebook and little snarky comments I would make. And so everybody's mm-hmm. pushed. And then, like I said, now I got the book out and stuff. So it's I. You know, I feel like I it it was good it's all out for there me. now, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <It's all done. laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and I gotta say, cool. Ebony Exodus for a title for a book—that's fantastic. I love it a lot. Yeah, that's yeah, really cool. I really like that. <laughs> I love it. But today we were talking about on death, dying, and disbelief. Uh, so I guess my 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 first question is <laughs> sounds pretty obvious, but what is the book really about? <laughs> yeah, no. So um, the book is consists of 10 tips that I feel people who are grieving these, if you can take into consideration these 10 tips and you put some of them into action, that that will help your grieving process, you know, um, help move it along. And the reason that I wrote the book was in 2019, that high school sweetheart that I mentioned a couple minutes ago, um, he died in a car accident and, um, so that was me. He and I had reconnected, you know, later in life. We both went through marriages and divorces and children and blah, 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 blah. blah and we reconnected years later. And um, so it was I took it. It was pretty traumatic um, for me. And um, so the first year was just horrible and terrible. And when the when the one year anniversary came around, the grief just came back and hit me like a tsunami 
And so I thought, I can't do another year of this. Like, I can't go through another year. It's like, what can I do to sort of channel this energy? And that's what I was like, you know, I can talk about, I mean, I'm a licensed professional counselor, so I can combine what I know about my personal experience, what I know from my professional expertise, and, you know, uh, and so it's specifically speaking to non-believers, atheists, agnostics, um, because when you think about death and dying and heaven and hell, like that's always sort of relegated to the realm of like religious religion, right? Like you got to talk about where they're going after they die and what, what's going to happen to their energy or whatever, whatever, right? And so it tends to be in the realm of the spiritual. Well, we as non-believers don't really have any resources right like what are we gonna do and so it that's what it is it's sort of intended to be a resource for grieving non-believers mm. hmm. it's it's very it's very apropos you mentioned that because just before you came on the show uh we were uh reminiscing about a uh, co-host that we used to have the show that passed away and today uh, actually was her birthday so mm-hmm. i guess um, i guess i totally understand how you did work your energy into a book we worked our energy into listening to an old clip of her so i don't um, i don't <laughs> yeah. do you feel that um as atheists that we handle death properly do atheists handle death properly i think that that there's a combination of what goes on i think that on the one hand we handle it a lot of times people sort of go into it like this is the end you know i don't i'm not going to hold on to any false beliefs that i'm going to reconnect with that person this is the end and i accept that and i understand that the other side of that is but i want there to be an afterlife i want that person to be available to me when i die too and so there's that that becomes sort of the existential crisis and the existential struggle is in not not necessarily that I believe that there's an afterlife, but now I want to believe that there's an afterlife. And so then you go through, you know, oh, my God, am I turning back into a religious person? I don't want to be a religious person, but I do want there to be a hit. You know, so then we sort of have a really unique internal um, struggle, I think, when it and that's, you know, what I see a lot and what I've heard a lot and what my personal experience was. Um, yeah, I mean, that almost seems like that for so many of the beliefs that, you know, religion is kind of uh, put out there. It's like it always seems like it's stuff that you'd like to think is true. You want to you want to believe the people that you don't like are going to a bad place and the people that mm-hmm. you do like are going to be hanging out with you. You know what I mean? Like that's, uh, yeah. You know, and it, and they say you're like, I think it was something like five to seven times more likely to believe a prop uh, to accept a proposition if it's something you want to believe is true right you know and so it's all i don't know but that almost makes it seem like it's less likely to actually be true right because mm-hmm. you know we're just thinking it's something that <laughs> we'd like to believe like yeah you get to go to a theme park when you die man it's awesome like <laughs> yeah. oh yeah kevin was telling me that the, the cat lady whatever i had never heard of her before but she she said heaven's got like lava surfing or something i was yeah. like yeah. damn yeah. like i'm trying to go lava surfing i don't know like forget seeing all my friends and family i want to go lava surfing yeah and the cows mow the lawn Oh, like, but in tractors, like they're driving them and stuff, you know. She also mentioned one time there was also a warehouse of body parts somewhere. So, 
you get an amputee and use an arm or a leg, it's right there. They got it. Right there. <laughs> wow. Yeah, she all the way out to left field. But are they yep. like normal yep. arms or like cool arms that can do stuff? Like okay. Like, <laughs> in it? Right. Like, do they have like technology in them? Bionic yeah. arms? Right. I'll take yeah, one. Like the, the winter soldier, you know, has got yeah. his arm. <laughs> <laughs> also, if you're missing an arm, you don't necessarily have, like, I wouldn't have to necessarily take a Caucasian arm. I can take a black man's arm or an Asian arm. That'd be uh-huh. cool, actually. You know, change, okay. the change the color pattern, right? Yeah. I like that. Kevin the mismatched man. Yeah, I want Google Gadget arms. That's I'm good with that. Right. I just want lasers. Left turn as usual. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, 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 Candace, do you feel that you know, as opposed to uh, when you were a believer, do you do you feel that your um, belief system now? Or I shouldn't even call it a belief system. Now, the way you face death as as a, as a non-believer, I mean, is it? It's not as reassuring, but it's a more mature way to look at passing. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had a really significant loss when I was my my senior year in high school. Actually, my aunt who was like a second mom to me, she died suddenly from an aneurysm, and so of course at that time I was. You know, I was getting involved in the church with my sister and her husband and stuff. And so I was getting pretty serious about my religious beliefs. And I know that I mourned her death completely different from how I mourned my high school sweetheart's death. Because for her death, a lot of it was like pushing down the grief, trying to hide it because... Well, she's in a better place, you know, like she's in a better place. Like I I should not be pitiful and depressed and sad about this. And so there was a lot of putting it down. There was a lot of hiding. There was a lot of, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just not really talking about it, not really letting myself experience it um, versus, you know, now when he died two years ago. Yo, it's nothing for me to pretend like, you know, there's no better place. There's no nothing. There's no reason for me to pretend and hide from God. You know, oh, I'm actually Mm -hmm. depressed about this thing. Like, no, heck no. I'm depressed. This is pitiful. I'm miserable. Y'all, I need everybody to know how miserable I am. Um, (laughs) You know, so I did. I, I would say that I agree both of them to, you know, completely different ways. Mm hmm. Because I was no longer a believer, it's always something that's fascinating me. Because I, I I was raised Catholic, and I uh, when I was Catholic and I was a believer as a child, I it always when somebody would die, it was always like, "Why are you guys crying?" Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. Uncle Bob's in a better place now. He's just waiting for us. We'll see him soon, eventually. Yeah. So why are you guys crying? So which it's leads a long me vacation. To- yeah. yeah, exactly, right? Yep. So if somebody goes on a vacation for a couple of months, you don't cry because they leave. You know they'll be back. Yep, exactly. so, so it leads me to believe, and to this day I still hold that, that belief, that I don't actually think that even believers believe in the afterlife. I think they, they tell themselves that. They hope for yeah. it. But I don't think they truly, truly believe in it. Because you, your reaction towards death would be completely different if you actually believed it. Yeah, because of the selfish aspect of it. I mean, people are inherently selfish. And so the grieving process is also about how you're feeling. You're sad because you don't have what 
you want anymore what made you happy or you know it's it's more about yourself yeah funerals aren't for the person who passed away they're for the people that are still left yeah 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 maybe i'm wrong I, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't ask me. No. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I would say when I was super religious in my super religious time, I really did believe that there was a heaven and a hell. I mean, I was terrified about hell. Um, I, I think, yeah, you know, you're making me question. I think that, you know, obviously you have a, you know, it's a subjective trying to look back at, you know, reflect on yourself sort of thing. So, I believe that I really did believe it. Um, but I think, you know, like Sabrina was saying, that's a good point that it's not necessarily about where that person is as it's so much as it is about I'm missing that person right now here on earth. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, but the problem is that a lot of times believers try to hide that grief, you know, behind the idea that, oh, you know, they're in heaven. So, you know, it's okay. Don't worry about it. And that's where I think that's the most unhealthy thing to me is trying to hide it and, and bury the grief. Would you feel that, you know, if we were to find a way to not bury the grief, it seems that most people are not willing to take that bargain because it comes at the price of hope. You lose your hope because all of a sudden you're dealing with death in a much more mature way. But yet, you know, you're kind of losing the hope of seeing that person again. Ironically enough, you know, I, I was much more sad uh, when people died when I was a believer than when my own father passed away about six years ago as a non-believer. I was much more at peace with his passing. So it's, it's, it's I don't know. What are your thoughts? Um, I, I, well, again, like I said, I think that it, it is a distinct difference because your whole worldview is completely different. Um, you know, I... Yeah, I think that the so part of what I do in the book is um, like I was saying, it's 10 tips. Right. And one of the tips that I talk about is like doing something in honor of that person. Right. To try to memorialize their, you know, you know, you just do something in their honor that's going to help you feel better. And I think, um, you know, trying to shift that attention, trying to like trying to help non-believers sort of shift the attention away from just plain and simple, you know, the person's no longer here. Okay, well, how do we make meaning, though? Let's make meaning, make our own meaning in life. And, you know, whereas believers don't have to go through that process. They don't have to make meaning because the meaning is already prescribed to them. You know, God took them on to a better place. Whereas we have to struggle with it and find some kind of way to come to peace with it. And like I said, you know, some people are more at peace because maybe uh, I could imagine somebody being more at peace if you don't, if you're not burdened by the heaven or hell beliefs, because I know, um, when, again, another family member committed suicide. Um, and, you know, according to, you know, you can't kill, right? You can't kill. So a person who commits suicide is supposed to go to hell because you can't kill and you killed yourself. Well, I remember being at that funeral and just being like, y'all like straight preaching this woman in the heaven. And like, you know, it was all kind of stuff was wrong with her life. Like we knew she was all over the place. Like, is she really in heaven? You know, and so I think an additional struggle maybe that falls on the believer side is worrying about is my loved one in heaven or hell? 
you know, and so it might be easier for a non-believer in that sense that not only do I have to, I don't have to worry about heaven, but I also don't have to worry about hell, which is a, which is a good thing. You know, whereas, like I said, when I was uh, much younger and that family member committed suicide, it was like, you know, like I said, I was much younger. And so I'm sitting here like, wait, I thought, you know, somebody committed suicide would go to hell. And, you know, some of the other things about her life, you know, that were going on in her life, I was like, I thought this person would be in hell, but y'all just preached her right into heaven. And, you know, that was a, that's a scary thought, right? Like, you don't, nobody wants to stand up and tell a parent who's burying their child that their child has gone to hell because such mm-hmm. and such such, even though, you know, their lifestyle may not have lined up with what's supposed to get you into heaven. But that's like a, a secret internal struggle now that I like, you know, all the family is going through this internal struggle about, is this person in heaven or hell? Um, you know, so compl- it sounds like it complicates the hell out of everything. Yeah. <laughs> right? It just makes it that much harder. Cause now yep. we're like, ah, but we knew they were sleeping with, you know, uh, somebody that wasn't yep. there. Husband, wife, so yep. I mean, you know, we can talk about that, and then everybody's kind of got to deal with that in the seat on, on their own. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> where they stand on where they think they yep. are in the afterlife. That just is like a mind fuck. That just seems unnecessary. And mm-hmm. I, think, I think Benjamin made the, the 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 point earlier on, and he he has a very good point that it really depends on how much you like the person or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's <laughs> true. No, for real. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you you think the person's a, a bit of an idiot, then, you know, oh, he's definitely in hell. But yep. he, oh, you know, he's had his fault, but you know, he's a good person at heart. He's in yep. heaven. So the yeah, rules are yeah, yeah. So it's like you're sending him one place or another. <laughs> like each of us, Basically. we decide. <laughs> I mean, if we're gonna make up yeah. rules, then let's make up rules. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. So Apparently. the person basically, basically, the person's soul splits into like fifty pieces, and like where each of those people believe they are that bit of hope hit their soul so like benjamin believes they're in hell so a piece of their soul went to hell but i believe they're in heaven so a piece of their soul went to heaven i like that i like that strategy Let's do that yeah you know that yeah. makes perfect sense with cat Kerr's arm factory uh, warehouse yes. that that's where they get the body part because he was partly bad now he needs a replacement arm. right yeah. then we really need to figure out where the head is because i feel like that matters the most but he's soft Christianity. Oh, you guys are wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, aside that, aside, uh, you got your, your your ten tips there. What are the other tips you you'd like to give people that are grieving in the process of grieving? Um, well, my favorite one out of all of them is um, like spending time in nature. So one of the things that I do in the book, I'm not just talking off the top of my head. I also incorporate a lot of research and um so in the the chapter about spending time in nature i talk about stuff called um directed attention fatigue and i talk about like the neurological research that that behind you know how stress impairs our decision making and how spending time in nature you know helps you those things recover and um so i spend quite a bit of time you know like i said looking at research and looking at science to sort of bolster the points that i'm making and spending time in nature is absolutely my favorite tip of them all 
Um, you know, anybody who knows me knows that I'm an avid hiker. I go to Colorado every summer and do 14,000 foot mountains. I came from 6,300 feet today. That's why I texted was like, are we going to be on camera? I was in the mountains this morning hiking and I got up to 6,300 feet, couldn't breathe. Um, and so that... I like I you know take it very seriously but I make a point in the book you know like it, you don't have to be a hiker to to get the benefits of spending time in nature it could be you know working in a garden it could be just sitting on your porch doing a rainstorm you know it could be any variety just as long as you get out of your out of the sort of uh, hustle and bustle of the daily life and just sort of put yourself back into a natural setting um, that will help a lot of those things recover and um so that's probably my favorite tip out of all of them um mm-hmm. i oh go ahead no i was about to say you saw so you you went and got high just before coming on the show high on a mountain high on life Low oxygen all the time. mountains like, that new shit man mountains that, that you know what i'm saying you ain't you ain't heard of that strain yet the mountain strain, mountain strain. <laughs> fantastic uh, I guess uh, I guess more, more questions I gotta ask about this is um, is there is there a way I mean how how was your book received uh, according to denomination or maybe uh, between believers and non-believers I mean do you know how the book was received for like uh, the the faithful how they they view your book were they agreeing with it or not It actually has not been released yet It was oh. yesterday oh. October 2nd was supposed to be The release date but I was informed That we have a paper shortage in this company In this country oh, wow. So, so my release point. So my release date Got put, pushed from October 2nd To October 21st oh. So it has not hey. Come out yet it's a- No I have to wait what? Yeah. Is right. there an ebook? Yeah, um, I don't know if they're releasing the ebook early. I, there, it will be an e format, but I don't think they're releasing okay. it early. Mm-hmm. Oh. And hopefully, there'll hmm. be a, there'll be an audible format as well. I've got to work on that. That is the goal. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that is the goal. Yes. That always takes a bit longer, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You got to read it. You got to read it properly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right, exactly. And I like I I did the audio on my first book, the Ebony Exodus Project, and um, I was married at the time, and my husband was a studio engineer. So how lucky okay. was I, right? There you go. But now. Now I don't have a spouse to engineer my audio anymore, so I have no idea how I'm going to do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. How did you like doing that? Was that uh, was that an interesting? Uh, oh my god, it was so hard. No, it's I hard, hated right? it. Yes. <laughs> it's I hated so it. hard. When I, I, I listen because oh I'm dyslexic, so I have a hard time reading a lot of books. But like, so I listen to them, and it sounds tough. You know, like it sounds like you know you can hear the, a lot, of, especially. A lot of times when it's somebody else reading the book, because you're there, you can tell the reflections not right, you know, sometimes, you know, so that's why I actually like it better when, you know, the actual authors like read the books, you know, because they know what they're trying to like the way they're trying to say something. Right. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah. That's, but that's and that's cool. my thing. I'm like, I don't want to pay somebody else. To, I mean, it's not that I don't want to pay. It's that I would prefer the book to be in my voice, um, the yeah. audio, if, if possible. Be- but. 
we'll yeah. see. I think, I think most people would prefer to hear the author reading the book. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, there's a lot of famous, like... I mean, I offer to do it for you, but you know. Oh, I can get, I'm going to see if I can get Morgan Freeman. If I get Morgan Freeman. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Before I get God, I'm going to get God to read my book. Yeah. <laughs> that would be perfect. About, about not believing in God. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> uh, in, in your book, Candace, you do a dive into um, not just necessarily by the faith denomination or not, but also uh, how the different cultures adapt to death and how they face death. Uh, you do a dive into that? No, no. I street like I said, it's it's a very practical book. It's like part personal journal because I really I mean I get into like really graphic detail about my grief and how ugly it was and how hard it was so it's like part journal you get a very um intimate look into my process and um and then the the rest of it is just really practical it's like my because you know when I was thinking about myself and my own grief I wouldn't have been able to sit down and read a 300 page book and go through all of this history and all of this, that, and the third, like I'm not even interested in that. I just want to feel better. And so the idea behind the book is really like, you should just be able to run your finger, open the book through on any page, put a finger down and find something that you can do today to help with that process. So it's really, it's very practical. I don't really, like I said, I, the research that I do talk about is to sort of bolster the points that I'm making, but mm-hmm. I don't go into like, I, like it's directly speaking towards non-believers and it's directly speaking towards the difficulty of grieving, especially for non-believers and things they can do. So I don't, it's not complicated at all. It's very easy read. It's very easy read. Um, Perfect. Uh, is there? Is there? Um, without miss, you don't have to answer that question if you don't want to. But uh, if you don't mind me asking, which part of your grieving process did you find more most difficult to overcome? Oh, the most difficult part. Um, I mean, coming on the show, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. I. Um, I don't know. I think just the. Um, I had a lot of regret. I had a lot of regret. Um, and I think that was maybe trying to exercise all that regret and let stuff go and forgive myself and forgive him and, you know, let a lot of things go. Um, I was, I think that was probably one of my biggest issues because, um, I mean, he was 40, he was 41, you know, and I was 39. Like you got, we got a whole lot of life left to live, you know? So there was a whole lot of regret and and anger. Um, I had, I went through quite an intense bout of anger at him because he was driving. They determined that he didn't have his seatbelt on. And that was an ongoing argument between us, you know, was wear your freaking seatbelt, please. Yeah. And so for that to be, you know, the thing that did him in, I had a lot of anger towards him for that, yeah. that I had to process and get through. Um, so, I, was, I mean, it was really ugly. It was really, I mean, I wouldn't wish it on an enemy. I mean, it was horrible. And now that, just to be extra transparent with you, right, now I'm out and I'm talking on the book and I'm giving talks and I'm doing presentations and I'm going to conferences and retreats and stuff and talking about death and talking about my book and retelling my story several, you know, over and over again and and um, it's 
it's nice because I know that this is part of the thing that I'm doing to honor him, but it's difficult because it's bringing up all of that old shit again. And so I'm kind of, you know, going through a little moment, you know, right now, not in this very moment, but I mean, at this time in my life, while I'm trying to promote the book, um, some of that grief is coming back. So it's like, so it looks like you've got a memorial tattoo on there. Is that part of your, yeah. Oh, Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I know. It's the right I can't tell which. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. His initials and his birthday and death date. Yeah. And, well, you know, a cliche, a cliche heart with an infinity symbol. You know, like super cliche. Like oh, that's cool. And then he um he used to call me um hiker girl and so I got hiker girl tattooed on my legs. That's cool. Um, so, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So is that yeah. something that was part of your like healing and helping with dealing with your grief or? Yeah, I definitely think um, like, you know, it's like, okay, <laughs> it's like, you know, why do I not know what arm my tattoo is on? First of all, like, why is this camera confusing me? I should know the tattoo is over here. <laughs> I do the but, same thing. It's okay. <laughs> but there's, you know, there's some catharsis, I think in the, I need to be Okay. I got tons of tattoos and I'm just that person that likes the pain. So there was some catharsis in actually having channeling the emotional pain into physical pain, but, you know, into art and, you know, not just harming myself. Um, So I think that helped me. And then, you know, just writing the book. I mean, like I said, I was really able to process a lot of stuff and really work through stuff and cry through stuff. And, and, you know, I was having to put my, put my advice to work for my own self too. Um, So having something to channel that energy into just made a huge difference. Um, I have a a quick question because I actually am sort of going through uh, something similar to this is like the, um, um, the, like you were saying, like having a bad, like things that you got in fights with or something like that about with, with somebody. And then they passed away a couple of years ago or a couple of years ago, a couple of months ago, uh, my father passed away. And like one of the last things we did, we had like a sort of like a debate, you know, like almost about like religion and the Illuminati apparently and all this other stuff. And, uh, you know, and it's that's been sort of a tough thing, you know, like moving past that, those disagreements and things that you said. And and I even made a video like right after that we had the conversation of how I got how I messed up, how I didn't do how I didn't do the debate, how the way I should have done it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you have any specific things that you could, uh, you know, that, that would be helpful for people going through that, that maybe felt like they made mm-hmm. a mistake with the person? And uh, mm-hmm. now they now they can't rectify it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, okay, so the the counselor in me comes out at that with that type of question because you know we do um, therapeutic techniques stuff as simple as journaling, right? Um, there's stuff like Gestalt theory and the empty chair. I don't know if you ever heard of the empty chair, but it's like where you, I'm the, let's say I'm the client and I'm sitting in a chair and literally there's an empty chair across from me and I decide I'm talking to whatever it is. I can say I'm going to have a conversation with my anger. I'm going to have a conversation with myself. I'm going to have a conversation with my mama. You know, whatever I want to be in that other chair. Um, and I talk in the book about the, you know, like 
if if it's helpful if it feels good to just like talk to the person you know yeah i know in my mind they're not here but it's similar to journaling you know it's similar to getting those thoughts and those feelings out you know empty chair techniques stuff like that to um i think there's something cathartic about just being able to say the things that you that you're thinking um so that's one thing honestly that i talk about is if you feel so inclined to sit there and have a, a, a audible conversation have an audible conversation you know if you rather journal it journal it same difference right um so that's that's something that I talk about. Um, and then I also, like I said, it's stuff like, you know, uh, redirecting your own attention. Um, you got to, you know, sometimes we got to redirect ourselves and say, okay, I'm feeling a lot of regret and guilt right now. And I know there's nothing I can do about this regret and guilt. Let me distract myself with something else, you know. And, of course, that's, that seems kind of obvious right like engaging cliche things i mean engaging you're something to a distraction method but if you're very intentional about it i think there's intentionality behind it that makes a difference too that says i'm acknowledging that i'm going through a lot of grief right now this anger that i'm feeling or this regret or this guilt that i'm feeling is related to the grief i'm not gonna let this tear me up and i'm gonna go and redirect myself so there's a lot about um in the book about being very intentional with your grief process and 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 being able to manage it and control it in that way when you t- you know re- when you take control of the grief you know and when you take control of the process because the grief is going to do what the grief is going to do but you can still take control of yourself and your decisions and how you're going to engage with yourself and other people in the world while you're grieving you know you make conscious choices about how you're going to engage and and do something different to sort of pull yourself out of those times when we get lost in our heads and get stuck and you know oh yeah wow okay cool so kind of just like intentionally processing your feelings because i found personally that if i try to hold the feelings or whatever like you when you have feelings you have to feel them you have to let yourself feel them or they're just going to keep troubling you Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You gotta. It, I mean, it's not gonna go anywhere. It's the grief is not gonna go anywhere. So you might as well deal with it head on. Yeah. And with the empty chair thing, I want to say real quick, it's almost like you know how they say like your brain can't tell the difference between things. A lot, you know, like I mean, you can tell the difference, but like when you go through the motions of like talking to the person and rectifying the mistakes that you've made your brain doesn't really it can't really tell those emotional differences you know because it's a different mm. part of the brain right so like you know that i could see how that be that'd be very very helpful so yeah yeah the other cool thing about the empty share technique i mean obviously you know this is something that i'm i was supposed to say you know you want to do this with a licensed professional who can help guide you through the process blah 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 blah, blah. Oh, yeah. right but the other thing you know if you agree uh, like I said, if you want to say you're going to do it in journal style, you're going to write it down. One thing that you would do is, okay, so I'm in my chair and I'm talking to my regret. Well, then I may literally get up, go sit in the other chair and become the voice of the regret. Now, what would the regret say to me, you know, and have a conversation in reverse of, uh, like I said, if it was the person, you know, let's say it was my high school sweetheart, I'm talking to him. Then I get up and I go get in the other chair and I, pretend that I'm him and talking back to Candace, you know, what would he say about the things that I've said? Um, you know, and so sort of processing through it in a different type of unique way. And like I said, you could do that journal style as well. Um, you know, and say, you know, 
what I wish this person had said to me before they die is X, Y, Z, you know, or what I wish, you know, we could have said to each other is, you know, so processing it from both angles. Wow. Yeah, no, that's super cool. <laughs> Candice, thank you so much for coming on the show and explaining your book to us. Really, really appreciate that. Uh, before our listeners, if they want to find your book, where can they find it? I mean, it's not quite out now, but when it does come out, where can they find it? So it's at all the major book retailers. You Obviously, you can get it from Amazon. They got a Barnes & Noble's, Borders. You can pre-order them right now. Um, on As far as I know, you can pre-order them on all of those sites. Um, um, and then... That, I mean, that's it for the book right now. Um, I'm on um, Twitter at Ebony Exodus, and um, Ebony Exodus has a page on Facebook, Ebony Exodus. Um, so those will be the places to be able, if you want to reach out to me directly about the book or something like that, you could find me on Twitter and the Facebook page. Hmm. Perfect. Ebony Exodus. Go look it up right now. Yeah, I was just about to <laughs> send you. It's called the Ebony Exodus. <laughs> oh, well, you talking about the Facebook page? Oh, I, should have I was going Twitter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now you're being followed. That's yeah. right. Uh, Sounds kind of creepy when I say it. <laughs> you following me? Don't follow me, Kevin. Please. Oh, <laughs> where, where do you like to go hiking again? <laughs> where do you get high on the mountain? <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show with us. Uh, before Thank I you, you for go, having I, me. I got to have you say, hi, this is Candace Gorman. I took a left in the valley. I took a left in the valley? At the valley. At the valley. Hi, this is Candace Gorham. I took a left at the valley. And that was Candace Gorham talking about on death, dying, and disbelief. She's fabulous. I love her. Yeah, yeah, she was great. Yeah, she was absolutely great, and I, I like the way that she looks at this, and she, I, the practical approach that she's bringing on to uh, dying and disbelief, I think, is very important um, because she's well, right. She was, she was, she was making the point that you know, when you're in, in, in mourning, last thing you want is to be reading a 300 page book on how you should handle things. You want it to be practical. You want it to apply now. So I totally right. understand. Yeah, and I thought, I thought when I heard the topic that this was going to be a super depressing conversation right that was my thankfully it was not so sorry guys (laughs) welcome back yeah Yeah, sorry i'm not feeling that great oh great we're all not feeling that great i guess yeah exactly what's up with that sorry and we're i'm sorry to also announce i won't be here next sunday what and you know what actually next sunday is just because kevin's probably also forgotten it's actually Canadian Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. oh no shit. <laughs> yeah, we always forget that Canadian yeah. Thanksgiving is yeah, a month so, earlier than you guys. Yeah, well, it's actually on oh, Monday, I think. So I, I think know. we'll do our thing on Monday. Anyway, so matter. there you go. I won't be here, but, you know, Top Ten's already taken care just of. Call it, just call it Turkey Day. That's all. Yeah. That's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And thank, thank you, you so much for... <laughs> For Candace Gorham to be uh, to be ah for being our guest, and thank you for Brentley, Benjamin, and Sabrina for being my calls, and thank you for listening. You can follow us at leftatthevalley.ca. You can follow us at Twitter at LATV Podcast on Facebook.com slash Left at the Valley. Mm-hmm. And don't forget our contest. Yes, the contest is running. I've got lots of entries rolling in. Make sure you get yours in. Win an autographed copy of the Time Shards trilogy. Uh, you can go to leftatthevalley.ca slash contests to enter. 
Fantastic. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you can send us an email at leftatvalley at outlook.com. And you can still go to patreon.com slash letv and become a patron of the show and help our efforts. All right, Brent. Unapologetics. Come on, let's plug it. Uh, unapologetics panel stream uh, yeah on YouTube definitely check it out it's every Wednesday night at 1130 and uh, yeah we just we it's very light and we just goof mm-hmm. off mm-hmm. and you can always yeah. hashtag replay fantastic coming up next week his rawness Arn Raw will be in the house oh I'm gonna miss it oh I know I oh, <laughs> of all the shows to miss <laughs> damn that's the one you don't wanna damn. miss but damn yeah you you missed the best. <sighs> you're missing the good I, one I, I was telling not. Amy all about it she's like yeah, I know it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that kind of sucks. After that, we'll have our old friend Hector Garcia. Dr. Hector Garcia will come back with us to talk about wolfness. That should be interesting. Mm-hmm. And we'll have a Halloween show that's coming down the pipe. And in November, we'll be talking to Dr. Edward Hodge of the University of Victoria. We'll be talking about natural oh, person. Wow. You know these, these uh, sovereign citizen people? Mm-hmm. We'll be talking about that. So that's People who there. say that they don't have to do anything because they don't have to obey the yeah. law kind of thing. All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's Those talk people. about that. That's cool. So All that'll right. be very interesting to talk yeah. about. And of course, down the pipe, we'll be talking about our Christmas show and all that stuff. Ooh. Anything else I need to add here? Have a great week. Perfect. Don't we always say that? Yeah. <laughs> do we? Get your pumpkin spice. Oh, don't get your pumpkin spice crap. Sorry, ew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pumpkin spice candy. Yeah, ew, For candy apple. corn. Mm. Pumpkin spice cookies. It's everywhere. And it's Ugh. fantastic. I don't care what you say. <sighs> All right, spice guys. Mountain Dew, it's coming. Until it's next coming. time. Millie, come back. You guys are uh, a lot of fun. Well, as soon as we do a gym sex toy inv- uh, inventory thing, uh, you're going to be the first one uh, to invest in it. Uh, listen, do not forget me. I want to invest. <laughs> <laughs> I got $10 on it. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot of money. It's an empty 24 pack of water bottles. <laughs> exactly. I, I recycle. Now, I'm a hardcore recycler, so I got plenty of bottles. <laughs> plenty of bottles. Oh, God, I love her. Keep it on the Wanna affect business, he loves money too much We know that they love the kids, but how the fuck can we protect them While they planning to molest them, we teaching them to respect them Respect them, fuck that The system is broke down, working backwards And the only action or tactic I plan to practice now is to attack them The parties of God's hands are bloodstained Millions of murders by believers, and they're all in God's name And let me take a say, don't mean to sound so hateful, but I Something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, 
Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.